Have you ever loved someone very much who also truly loved to spend time with you? It's a special thing when that happens, isn't it? I loved my grandfather very much. The awesome thing about it is that he wanted to spend time with me as much as possible. And from the time I was a little boy, I remember I would walk into his lumber company office, which was extraordinarily busy every day. But he was always glad to see me. And even if he had to run outside onto the lumber yard and go and talk to people and workers, which was quite often the case, he would want me to come out there with him. He had a golf cart that he used to drive around all over the place. And he would want me to jump on the golf cart with him and even let me drive almost every single time. I've spoken about my grandfather in the past, shared our relationship with you a number of times, and I think I do that because I love him that much, and he made that kind of impression on my life. And I believe that is the reason because of the fact that he loved spending time with me. It made me feel that way every time I was together with him. He had an apartment over top of the lumber company that he would stay in during the week. And I remember oftentimes staying the night with him up there. On the weekend, he would drive up to the mountains where his regular home was. And I can't tell you how many times I traveled that road two hours and back on the highway with him and my grandmother so that I could spend more time with him. He got to the point where he wanted me to go to camp meeting. My family, we weren't really regular attenders of church. We really didn't go. He wanted me to come every summer with him to camp meeting. Just he and I. Nobody else seemed to want to go. So I would go with him. Which was always an adventure because my grandfather valued saving money. And so that meant, I remember one year at camp meeting, us sleeping on the back porch of someone's house in folding lounge chairs together. But I didn't care, because I was with my grandfather. When his sister was dying of cancer, living across the country, he asked me to go with him, and just he and I drove across the country so that he could say his goodbyes to her. And he graciously allowed me to talk him out of sleeping on the side of the road in the car, which is what he wanted to do on the trip. Grandpa invested his time in me, and I will never forget him, nor his profound impact on my life. Again, I love him very much. Who have you loved in your life who has truly loved spending time with you? The Christmas story is so powerful, isn't it? Because it's a story of this magnificent and magnanimous love from God for us. And on top of that, it's the story of the fact that he wants to be with us. 
God wants to perpetually spend time with us. And this is what the Christmas story tells us. And I'd like to go there with you this morning to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. The Bible says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph, understandably, was not sure that he wanted to be in a family with Mary when she mysteriously and suddenly became pregnant. And the Bible says that he had it in mind that he was going to divorce her privately, believing that she must have become pregnant through another man. Divorce means divide, doesn't it? It means it's an abrupt change in that amount of time that is going to be spent with one another. Joseph had his mind deciding that he could no longer spend time with Mary anymore. But something happened to save his marriage. God happened. And he spoke into Joseph's life and shared some incredible news that Mary had actually become pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's, she's going to give birth to a son. He is going to save people from their sins. And he would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This news, at that moment, it was shared, saved a marriage right then and there. I mean, even the message before Jesus was born was already beginning that work of redemption and saving, saving marriages, preserving families, making a huge splash, a splash that we are still seeing wave after wave in this world today from. The amazing news was this. That God is with us. God wants to spend time with us. And he's going to do it through his son, Jesus Christ, 
born into the world. And Matthew does not want us to miss the point. Matthew begins this first gospel that we encounter in the New Testament with this very news here of the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 1. But then Matthew bookends his gospel and says it again through Jesus' words in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, where Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's the good news at Christmas today. Jesus loves you, and he wants to spend all the time in the world with you. From the very start, he was all about not just saving families for the sake of saving families. He was all about saving families so that they could be a part of his eternal family. That's what he wanted more than anything. That's what he wants still to this day. He wants every single person to be part of a family that never ends. And there's no better part of being a family than spending time together. Do you agree with that? Yeah. This Christmas season, can we open our hearts to the idea of spending more family time with Jesus? Spending family time with Jesus makes an incredible difference. And you know, there's been a lot said A lot written about the positive effects of family time. Quality family time is so important. Experts are still learning about it, still writing about it today. I'd like to share with you this morning 10 benefits of family time that I gleaned uh, from the internet Take them at face value, of course, for what they are, for our personal families, but I also want to relate them to God afterward. I found these 10 benefits of family time on a website called Family Focus Blog. This is a top family blog resource for parenting on the web. Here are 10 benefits that they list of spending family time together. Benefits for kids. Here we go. Number one, it strengthens family bonding, improves child's academic performance, things that they've studied and seen, helps kids develop parenting skills, it results in fewer behavioral problems, results in less violence, less chance of drug abuse when you spend a lot of time with family, results in greater happiness can lead to greater self-confidence for your kids, results in conflict resolution skills, and offers more chance for success. Beautiful. Ten, and there are probably many more. These are ten predominant ones. Yes, these facts have been studied for the effects of family time on children, but couldn't these also be applied to us, God's children, about the time, the quality time that we spend with God, our Heavenly Father? If you look down that list, would not God help us in every single category with each one of those things as we spend quality time with Him? I would think it would absolutely have to be because everything good comes from God. 
Matter of fact, that's what James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 says. It says, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from who? Notice the terminology. Our Father, the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. So the Bible is telling us that yes, absolutely, it is a wonderful thing to be in God's presence, spending continuous time with God, our Heavenly Father. It just reaps benefit after benefit after benefit. After all, everything good comes from Him anyway. And He's the kind of Father that loves to share good things with His children. He wants to put His Word, as it says here, deep into our hearts. And when that happens, it kind of births us. It like launches us in so many ways, continuously, more and more, as we stay with him. God wants to build us strong, and God wants to give us every advantage in this world. Winston Churchill said this about family. He said, there is no doubt that it is around the family and the home that all the greatest virtues, the most dominating virtues of humans, are created and strengthened and maintained. I think that is a profound quote, a beautiful quote. How much greater, however, are the virtues that our Heavenly Father can create and strengthen and maintain in us as we choose to become a part of His family and spend time with Him. Jesus talked to us about what this looked like, he kind of gave us an illustration of what this is like to be with him. John chapter 15 is such a powerful passage. Verses 1 through 5 I'd like to read to you. Here's Jesus' way of explaining it to you. He says, I am the true vine, and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit of itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When we spend constant time with Jesus, as he's explaining here, remaining in him as that vine, we are the branches connected to him, spending that quality time, family time with him, folks, we know, right? Good things happen. And first off, I hope that we always remember that when we are part of his family, just as Jesus said here, we are clean and accepted. Did you catch that part? We are clean and accepted. That is the whole joy of being in a relationship with him, isn't it? The fact that he loves us and he accepts us. I mean, that's why I love spending time with my grandfather, because I know, I knew that he loved me, that he accepted me, and he just wanted me to be with him always. 
God is like that, but he's like that times a million, isn't he? So now, just stay with him. And when we do, we can begin to bear lots of fruit, the Bible says. Good things happen when we stick to the Savior. Which reminds me of a a quote from my favorite basketball movie years ago. It's basketball season at Rogue Valley Adventist Academy, so I'm trying to connect here. Okay, so one of my favorite quotes from my favorite basketball movie has a line in it where the coach kneels, this is Hoosiers, by the way, kneels down and talks to his player who's on defense, and he says, I want you to stick to your man like like, like he's chewing gum. Guard him like he's chewing gum. And he says, at the end of the game, I want to know what flavor he is. You know, I want to stick so close to Jesus because I've already found out as I do that, he is everything flavorful. And the more I stick to him, the more flavorful I become when I'm around other people. Without him, these kind of good things just don't seem to happen. With him, it does Now, here I am talking about spending quality time, spending more time, family time with Jesus in a culture where we are the busiest we have ever been, ever, probably, right? Put on top of that the fact that we're here at Christmas time, which is the busiest time of year for every single one of us, isn't it? Does God truly expect us to really spend more time? time with him in a climate like we are in in today's world. I want to share with you just a quick passage is very familiar hopefully to many of you. Let's look again at Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42 because the Bible speaks to my heart here every time I read it. <clears throat> so I thought we should read it again today. Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42, the Bible says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. And Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? By myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So again, this really speaks loudly to me because I have been so much more like Martha in my life than I have ever been about like being like Mary. Jesus spoke directly to Martha. He kind of settled her down for a minute and he looked at her, said her name twice and said, you're worried about many things, but few things are needed. Mary has chosen something that's better, that's not going to be taken away from her. I mean, Mary was sitting at his feet. Her devotion, her attention was fully focused on Jesus, so much so that other things, somewhat important things, were kind of falling by the wayside. I have a feeling 
as I become introspective again thinking about this, that there are still some busy things in my life that could afford to fall by the wayside that would free me up more to have my mind focused on and with Jesus. And the great thing about it is as I look back, I have never regretted spending time with Jesus. Have you? Never regretted that time whatsoever. And how much have I regretted spending time on other things that are not nearly as fulfilling? I love that the Bible is telling us that Jesus never regrets spending time with me. Matthew 1 says his name, that is what his name is, Emmanuel, God with us, with me. Defines him so much, that's his name. He loves us so much that he wants us to be with him, and he is with us always, he says, even to the end of the age I mean, think back on the earth, Jesus with the disciples. How often was he with them? All the time. He lived with them, right? He did ministry with them. He ate with them. He spent quality time with them. They traveled together. They did everything together. Am I his disciple today? Are you his disciple today? The pattern is there, isn't it? Of what Jesus wants to do. And we can still spend that kind of time with him like the disciples did. We can travel with him. We can minister with him. We can eat with him. We can do everything with him as we ask him to live in our hearts and go with us everywhere. And my prayer is becoming more and more, let him increase in me and let me decrease more and more. So much so that when people look at me, they see Jesus more than they see me. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had enough of seeing me in this life. I've had enough of that. I have shown myself too often and it's not very flattering. So now I choose more and more to have my life hidden with Christ, hidden in Christ, like Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 says, and Paul declares, that's what I want. Because I don't know about you folks, but I am tired of a life that wanders away from Jesus too often. I am tired of leaving him behind too often. I'm tired of being too busy with what I want to do that I don't have time with him. I am tired of ignoring the fact that he is Emmanuel, the God who loves me and wants to be with me always. Forgive me, Lord. I had to pray this week. Forgive me. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are tired, weary, and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Life 
is so much easier with him, isn't it? Aren't burdens lifted in his presence? Doesn't he make life so much more worth the living, so much more peaceful? And it's all because of Jesus spending time with him. Folks, I am 46 years old now, and I am just starting, it seems, to scratch the surface and discovering the real rest that he wants me to experience and envisions for my soul by being with him. And it's taken me a while to want to start letting go of some of that stuff that I used to cling to and stuff that was really just noise and fluff and not really important in the grand scheme of things. And maybe the world wouldn't look at what things I'm talking about and think they're anything too bad, but I'm starting to see it as that it had nothing to do with Jesus, and now I want to have nothing to do with it. And my life is becoming so much better with him because I see that he wants to be with me. And I'm appreciating that more and more as I live my life. He loves me, and he loves you. And I believe with all my heart that there really is nothing better, is there, than to be with him as much as possible constantly in this life. First Chronicles 16.11 offers urgent and wise words as it says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Amen. That's what I want. In closing... I have news to share about my future, about your future. As I look back on the eight years that I've spent here, I think about the wonderful, wonderful time that my family and I have spent with you, our beloved Medford Church family. My kids have grown up here. Dakota started our first year here in kindergarten at Rogue Valley Adventist Academy, and now she is in eighth grade, halfway through. It's hard to believe. Time flies when you're having fun, folks. Shia was two years old when we moved here. He is now almost 11 and in fifth grade. He doesn't even remember life before here, and I think that is pretty awesome because it's an awesome place to be. Both of my children were baptized here in this church, which means so much to me because it is a powerful church family like you that, that can make something like that happen. And I owe that to an absolutely wonderful, supportive church family like you have been. We have so many friends here, friends who today we count as actual family and always will. I mean, time together does wonderful things, doesn't it? Time together does marvelous things. And we owe it all to our incredible God who has led us here and has blessed our lives in absolutely larger ways than we could have ever hoped and could have ever imagined. Since the end of September, the, we've been in discussions with Oregon Conference officers who have been working with the Meadowglade Seventh-day Adventist Church in Battleground, Washington. 
We, during that time since September, have been discussing this same thing with our incredible God. <laughs> Thank you. So, last week we went to Meadowglade and had a formal interview, and we accepted a call to begin serving there sometime in February. You're going to make me cry worse. <laughs> I love you. Okay, we are excited about this new op- adventure, this new opportunity, but we are very heavy-hearted, very heavy-hearted as we think about leaving wonderful, wonderful relationships behind, a church that has been nothing more than a blessing to us, absolutely in every single way, and Dawn and Dakota and Shia and I are all wanting to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for how you have enormously impacted our lives forever in positive ways. And God is amazing, isn't he? Because he has brought you into our lives and we will carry you in our hearts wherever we go. And the only reason that we can hold our heads high and not completely just fall apart, which we kind of want to (laughs) do, is the fact that you, our beloved family, we know God is with us all still. And we're all still part of his united family. Emmanuel has a plan, does he not? Emmanuel has a plan for us all to be with him and be together one day with him for all eternity. Oh, boy. (laughs) We're going to make it. It's this promise that allows us to move forward in ministry, hoping to meet more family that we can encourage to come along with us. Because that's right, we got something ahead, something that is better, something that is not going to be temporal, something that is permanent, something that will never fail, something that will never fade, a home, a home that has plenty of good room for everyone who wants to be a part of it, an eternal home where nothing will ever separate us from family again, not time, not distance, not even death itself, nothing will ever, ever tear us apart as a family in our incredible God. God is with us. He's in our hearts. You are in our hearts. And soon, I can't wait to be safe and secure in his eternal kingdom together. How about you? Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Yeah. Oh, Father in heaven, it's just an awesome reality that we have that you've called us to be part of an eternal family. Lord, I'm so thankful that we get to spend an eternity with this beautiful family here. It's hard to say goodbye. Thankful we still have a couple months to do that. But, Lord, we are so looking forward to making up for all the lost time in the world. You've told us that that glory that is coming is not even worth comparing to the time that we've spent here. And Lord, we cannot wait. Thank you that you're the God who is with us always and forever. And thank you that you're coming soon. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.